Welcome to the Agoracom Podcast, where investors discover great small cap companies. Thank you for taking Agoracom with you and make sure to follow our podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to with small cap executives after they put on board news with us today. Happy to have him back for the first interview of 2023, Steve McCauley of Empire Clinics, trades in Canada, EPW, for friends of this, EPWCF. Today's news is big, but before we get into it, for those new to the story, because maybe you saw the headline, Empower is an integrated healthcare company that's serving patients through medical centers, a medical device company, and a high-complexity medical diagnostics lab. More than just lip service, 2021 annual revenues were $4.37 million dollars. This year, even though the, the, the fiscal year isn't done yet, Q1, about 1.1 million revenue. Q2, just over 1.5. Q3, just under 1.6. So the money the company is executing. And today's press release that we're going to talk about is Empower signs LOI, letter of intent for partnership to launch U.S. clinical trial management services for the biotech and pharmaceutical industries. There's a lot to unpack. Steve, welcome back, my friend. Well, thank you, George. I appreciate it. Uh, it's good to be uh, on the show again, talking to our followers. And uh, we're excited to kind of get into this, as you say, unpack it. And I feel like part of what we're here to do is, is help educate um, our, our followers and our good shareholders on this work that um, may look like a surprise today, but it's something that we've been working on for quite a long time. Yeah, this looks big. There's a lot to unpack, like, like, like we said. So before we go into the details, because we, even I have to educate myself talking to you, how big is this? Because you said this is something you've been working on for a long time. So you know, how potentially big, what kind of impact could it have to the company in the long term? Well, we think it's it's incredibly significant. Um, it, it's, as I say, we've been working on it for a long time. We, you know, we started talking to Dr. Mocherla, you know, a, a year ago. And, you know, we got set back with a couple of the challenges that we had to go through with uh, audit ah. through the middle of last year. And it put some of these things on the back burner. Uh, but after we got through it, got reestablished, um, of course, we picked up the conversations again. And the conversations got very, very active uh, late in the fourth quarter. Um, we were working through the plan, through the terms. We, we had a really good idea together with Dr. Mercherla where this could possibly go. And then we worked through, you know, very important term sheets. And this wasn't something, it wasn't a term sheet that we considered to be kind of light or fluffy. Um, this is um, really working out exactly the structure that will feed into the actual joint venture and the definitive agreements that go there. Um, I wouldn't expect that we'll see hardly any changes, if at all, in what the final outcome looks like um, as we get through, you know, the first quarter uh, with these agreements. That's how serious Dr. Mercherla was, and we were as we worked through these terms. We both want this to work. We've got a great game plan in front of us. Okay, so let's let's go through that. The first, the first, the most important term is U.S. clinical trial management services. Now, all of us, when we hear clinical trial, we're about clinical trials. They're massive for five years. They're very expensive. You're not running clinical trials. So I want to make sure we 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 make that this very important distinction. What is a clinical trial management service? So I think generally there's an understanding that uh, big pharma, uh, you know, want to bring novel new drugs and medicines to market 
to either arrest disease states or cure diseases in the future. And in order to get those uh, products to market, they have to go through a very rigorous clinical trial process that ultimately has to get approved by the regulatory body. So in the United States, that's the FDA. And, uh, and it's the biggest market for uh, drugs and medicines in the world. So those programs and that product development are initiated and funded by the pharmaceutical company. But the pharmaceutical industry are no longer really running clinical trials. That's actually outsourced to what are called CROs, so contract research organizations. Sometimes people call them clinical research organizations, but by definition, it's contract research organization. Those big organizations coordinate and run the clinical trials through all the various stages. Uh, the early stages through the middle stages where you're getting more patients, you're defining more efficacy, uh, you're running the trials for longer periods of time, right to the final submissions, and hopefully for the pharmaceutical companies, they get their approval. If they get their approval, the quantum leap in value is in the terms of tens and in some cases hundreds of billions of dollars. So there's a great deal at stake. Clinical research organizations, many of the big ones uh, out there worldwide um, have huge market caps. A number of them are public, both domestically in North America and also in Europe and Asia, some of which have market caps in excess of 40 and $50 billion. Even some of the smaller ones have market caps that are three or $4 billion. And, and we've been doing you know, extensive market research on that. So there's a big market to serve uh, and we have, together with Dr. Mocherla, so many of the ingredients to be very successful. And by the way, Dr. Mocherla is already running clinical trials. He does that uh, in his Las Vegas medical research business um, that he and he's been involved in clinical trials uh, for the neighborhood of nearly 15 years. OK, so that answers questions. You'll say, OK, who is Dr. Mocherla? How does he fit? Uh, so let's segue right to that. Sure. Who is Dr. Machurla? You, you, okay, so he's definitely already doing this. And what is the synergy here? Okay, this is a JV, so everyone brings some to the table. Yeah. Why do? You, why does Dr. Machurla need Empower? Why does Empower need Dr. Machurla? Yeah, so you know, this is a relationship that uh, was a very uh, warm referral uh, going back about a year ago, and we've been nurturing that relationship for quite some time. Uh, you know, the concept of relationship building doesn't necessarily happen overnight, particularly when there's a big project and a lot at stake. Um, I think Dr. Marcherla believes in the value of a public company and what that medium can be for the future, just in terms of ultimately shareholder value and valuation. And he also views us as a catalyst to move to uh, other locations and other states and other sites. When you're a primary investigator like him as a medical doctor, and you've got a clinic or a location in a certain city, uh, and you're you know, seeing patients as part of your research trial, it's hard to get out of that in terms of expansion. Um, but he's uh, got the, you know, the, the project uh, that he's running, his Alzheimer's studies um, in uh, Las Vegas are really well-structured and running. They're, they're neat and they're tidy, and he's got a good support network now. So this is about expansion for him. 
What we have on the other side is great expertise with medical clinics and medical doctors. Um, we know, uh, we understand the patient experience. When you take our Dallas operations, we have a tremendous facility. We have scientists and clinicians, and we're right in the heart of the medical community of Dallas-Fort Worth, which is, you know, 8 million people. So we've got these ingredients that each bring to the table. The other thing with Dr. Mochurla is he understands the ecosystem of clinical trials. He has the contractual relationships with big pharma and knows okay. how to speak to them. And, and you know, through our due diligence, I've had the opportunity to see these contracts. I've had the opportunity to see the payments and the revenue cycle um, and just kind of watch it uh, take place. And it's very impressive. Um, it's high quality service income. It doesn't require medical billing. It's coming from you know, the top of the food chain, frankly, in, in the healthcare ecosystem with massive budgets because they've got so much opportunity at stake. So if I had to summarize it, then it would be accurate to say that Dr. Marcella has a, has, a, has a great business that needs to expand. That's where Empower comes in. And you've got all, you've got the medical lab, you've got a lot of the expertise to help expand, but you don't have the relationships with big pharma. So that's what you both bring to the table. So this there's, there's, there's real synergy here. And that's why when I look at the terms of the deal, it makes it very clear to me that this is the JV between George and Steve. Hey, let's see if we can throw something on the wall here and see what sticks. Mm -hmm. You're each contributing $200,000 in seed capital to the joint venture. That's real money. Yeah, That's real money, uh, especially in, a, in an environment where, like you said, money isn't easiest to come by. That's real. He's also getting 2 million shares uh, of Empower as well. And what I also found very interesting was if the JV gets the $5 million in revenue, he gets an additional 750,000 stock options. And normally people don't put terms like that in there unless they think they can get there. So let's talk about how serious of a JV this is and what the next steps are going to be. But let's talk about those terms. Yeah, the terms uh, like we kind of where we, we start at the top here. I mean, we we worked on this like it was the definitive agreement. That's how serious it was because both ourselves and Dr. Merchurler were you sort of took the position is that we're doing this. So we're going to hammer the term the key terms out right now. Otherwise there's no reason. You know, let's just get it worked out because if we can't come to agreement yeah. or consensus on key terms now, why start? And so the the sort of attitude from from both parties was one of, we're going to figure this out because it's just too darn important. It's very important for Dr. Mercherla and his reputation and his desire. You know, he's a medical doctor um, in, involved in nuclear medicine by education, um, but he's also very entrepreneurial and has a tremendous Clearly. amount of energy. Yeah, tremendous amount of energy and excitement um, and has passion for for this sector of healthcare. And we equally have great passion for what we're doing. And we have a passion uh, for change and involvement. And we're willing and, and able to you know, adjust our path. But as we look back on the last couple of years, some of the assets that came into play, such as the opening of medical clinics or the Medi Collective, um, the acquisition of the Medical Diagnostics Laboratory, all feed into us having the strength and the expertise and kind of the playbook to do this. 
the catalyst of having Dr. Mocherla involved has really brought focus to you know where we're going in the future. And you know, I've said many times over the last sort of 12 to 18 months that you know, US healthcare is going to play an important role for us. You know, we never wanted yeah. to be yeah. of that. And you know, I think we've found our footing. I think we've found uh, an area of strength. And it is a massive sector and a massive segment. And the team have a, a game plan right now. There's there's some low-hanging fruit that they've already identified that they are going to go and get their hands on right away in Texas. Uh, they like other markets um, that are a little bit smaller, like Denver and Salt Lake City and um, down the, you know, the freeway to Austin and San Antonio, where, you know, getting a site up and operating or even taking over somebody else's existing research project where perhaps they just want to be medical doctors and, and don't you know really put much effort into onto the clinical trial side. So not only are there existing trials that we can get it into our kind of in a, into our portfolio, but Dr. Mercherla, you know, really feels strong about uh, areas such as neurology and Alzheimer's uh, trials. Uh, he also feels that we're ideally poised to focus on diabetes opportunities, because that's a real burgeoning area um, of trial work. And given the fact that we've got our MediSure business um, as an asset that has 10 years of experience in medical diabetes, um, we're of the belief that that's going to be considered an asset or an attribute um, as we talk to big pharma and we talk to the large CROs out there uh, that also are sources of contracts for us. So let's talk about how this evolved in 2023 assume we get the definitive agreement and doesn't look like yeah. there's a reason to believe you wouldn't let's tell let's talk to shareholders about because you say step one is to create a dallas-based smo yeah uh expand to other cities and then step two is evolve into a cro and so again a lot of shareholders even i am not, are not familiar with these but yeah more than just by definition Let's talk about how you see it evolving, evolving into a business now, unfolding and evolving into into a business, and what that what that plan looks like for the next twelve months. Yeah, I mean the the steps are laid out for us. We we're you know we're laser focused on what needs to be done. Uh, yes, the the announcement of uh, the joint venture and the and the the detail behind it and and how well thought out it really is, um, kind of should be a, an indicator or a precursor of how much legwork we've already done, right? right. And uh, the JV will get formed. It's going to be funded. It's very CapEx light, um, which is another uh, strength. We've already got the facility. Uh, so it's not like we have to go and sign a lease or, or do other things. We have labor and clinical staff and scientists already there. We have really strong ties to the Dallas-Fort Worth medical community. And uh, so... Yeah, we've got network in a way, as an example, that Dr. Mocherla does not have. Uh, he's not connected to Dallas-Fort Worth, but he is now um, and because we've made those connections and we're already making those introductions. And so we're just going to let those guys go and, and do what they do best. So the way we think it develops is we get our first agreements, whether it's a new agreement or we're taking over an existing agreement. Um, the... Uh, you start the treatment of patients or, or the, the clinical trial work on patients um, who qualify right away. And so you think you're going to get to revenue pretty quick 
This is you, you we're going to get the revenue very quick because wow. I've, looked, I've looked at these contracts and the contracts have very prescribed payout schedules based on the work that you do with patients as part of the trial. The payments are typically every 30 days and it's really solid, continuous, recurring cash flow. Because it's come and from Big Pharma. It's, come from it's big coming pharma. from Big Pharma. And this is really important. This is really important to understand. You know, when we look at some of the challenges that we've had in, in Ontario um, with, with, you know, with ministry payouts and medical doctors where you've got one payer per province, you know, we're going into the U.S. market where there are multiple payers. But even in this particular case, we're not dependent on medical billing for the cash flow. It's coming from exceptionally well-funded Big Pharma who has such a vested stake in securing this data from the patient experience for their trial. They, Dr. Mochello explained that, that these big pharma companies, they get bent out of shape if there's any form of delay. The concept of like a 30-day delay um, you know, with a patient for them is, is very challenging. So they're pushing, pushing, pushing very hard because they need large quantities of data. They need diverse data from diverse patients in diverse markets with diverse backgrounds, because that ultimately makes their study um, more efficient, provides better efficacy, and gives them a better opportunity to gain their approval. And if they gain that approval for that new drug, you know what happens. So they're, um, they're using money as a catalyst to Let's keep Absolutely. it going, guys. Keep it going fast. Grow. Yes. Keep going fast. So, yeah. And they don't put. You, we don't have to worry about where the money's coming from and how how secure it is and how big it's going to be. That's correct. That's correct. And you know they need more and more and more and more data. So they don't put caps on the the number of patients in the studies, particularly in some of the middle stages. If you think of stage three, stage three B, stage four of a trial, you know these these trials expand and they, you know, they're not, you know, two week or four week, you're dealing in some of the ones that I've seen with Dr. Morcherla, you know, these are 110, 120 week trials with uh, touch points every single week with the patient. I know that no two clinical <laughs> trials look the same, but nonetheless, I have to ask as I can almost feel the investors saying, all right, so what do these contracts typically look like? What can they look like? Uh, give me an indication. So to the best of your ability, and I understand that if someone's, if, a, if Pfizer's running a clinical trial on this product, it, it might be a, on this potential product to try and develop, it might be massive. And George Calm Farm over here is running a trial, smaller product. It's But generally speaking, can you give the shareholders an indication of, you know, what each, each, trial might mean uh for you know has meant for maturla all this time well i mean what it could mean yeah so there's, there's a baseline of what it has meant and what it could mean um uh these these clinical trials um are oftentimes um uh they spend billions of dollars <clears throat> to bring a new drug to market and um a great deal of that spend is going to go into the uh, clinical research organizations and that ecosystem of which we are a participant. If we start as a site management organization and we have multiple sites, um, we're already 
starting to become uh, a significant player and the growth opportunity that we receive. I mean, you've got trials that you're going to see patients, the value of the patient to an SMO uh, or our participant in a, in a CRO are going to be in the six figures over the time period of that trial experience. So when we look at our metrics going forward, you know, even the concept of having 10 patients actively par participating in a trial is not insignificant. And then if you have 20, and then what if you have 30? And what if you have 100? Um, you've got a business model that is far- You're talking about six figures per patient. Correct, over the, wow. over the life of that trial. And so when we think about what we might look like in 2023, 24, 25, we look significantly different from a revenue standpoint than what we look like today. Um, and I think something that should be noted in the proposed structure of our JV, and hopefully it stood out, and that is that, you know, Empower as the public company will own 51% and Dr. Mucherler right. will own 49%. You know, that was a very gracious, um, um, you know, agreement by Dr. Mocherla, and he understood it perfectly. And as, as I was able to explain just how accounting works for public companies, um, we need to know that if we have that majority stake in terms of ownership, then we get to capture the top line revenue. We will ultimately share the proceeds at a pre-tax net income level, but we're talking about a service here that generates extremely high uh, gross profit margins. And uh, we, as long as we're managing our costs effectively, and we know that it's a lighter CapEx structure to start, particularly in our case, because of what we already have as infrastructure. So you're not signing up to new long-term leases. We're not hiring a bunch of new people. We've already got it. <laughs> so the baseline's already there. Um, we just got to go grab a couple contracts and get on with the business um, of uh, being a, a site management organization. And if we do it right, we scale, you know, we get some luck on our side, you know, we get, you know, momentum. Um, we have the potential to become a CRO of our own at some point in the future. You know, it's not going to be in 2023, but it, it, it could be down the road. You said, uh, so is that, so devil's advocate. You said we got to go grab a couple of contracts. We got to get a couple of contracts. How difficult is that? Sounds like Dr. Machado has been doing this for years. So is this just yeah. a case of he's got a pipeline already, and now he's got an expanded uh, company to be able to be able to execute these, or is it feast or famine? Where this, this you know, 2022, you, he might have had two or three contracts with big pharma. And, 2023 might be zero. Uh, you know, how difficult is no, it to land no, these? It, so I want to I, I would, this as a perspective. Well, I would I'd say that as an outsider, you know, uh, as a non-incumbent, I would say, yeah, it's difficult, you know, like anything. And, <clears throat> but that's what Dr. Marcello brings to the table and why we value him so much and why we're willing to provide incentives and compensation um, around it. Uh, he has relationships with a multitude of big pharma companies and other CROs. Um, but the challenge for him is expansion, right? Getting out of the market that he's in. 
So it takes a different type of resource, different types of organizational development that we bring to the table. And the fact that we've got a strong footprint in one of the biggest healthcare markets in the country, you know, is not insignificant. And we have the, you know, currency of the public company and the catalyst that we can bring. And, you know, he's as equally motivated to be part of what we're doing as we all are as existing shareholders. You know, he wants to be a big shareholder and he knows and understands with his entrepreneurial spirit that he has the ability with us to actually influence the future direction, the future revenues, the future free cash flow. And all of those will contribute to greater valuation in the future. And we all want that, right? None of us are happy right now uh, with the markets and, and, and what our market looks like. But, you know, we're not sitting idly by um, just accepting it. You know, we're working hard behind the scenes in spite of challenges that have come our way. Well, look, uh, 2022 was a challenging year valuation for a lot of growth companies with the names of Tesla, Facebook, Meta, Meta. Amazon, Netflix, Shopify. I mean, we saw valuations get compressed between 50 for the likes of Google and Amazon to 75% for the likes of Netflix and Shopify and Tesla. I mean, look, Elon Musk was all over the all over the news of having lost the greatest fortune in history in 2022. Yeah. But the most important thing is, yeah, we don't none of us like that, obviously, if you're long. But the yeah. most important thing is as long as you have a strong underlying business and you're building a strong and underlying business, then you survive and thrive as opposed to George Calm widgets that uh, you know didn't really have a business now you, you can't get financing and it's, it lights out yeah yeah and and that's you know that's you know that's what we're doing here like we have got to continue to evolve um some of the status quo um has not been working um we have had this in our hip pockets behind the scenes um you know a reminder to everybody you know that we're always working on this you know we live and breathe this um, we've got really dedicated and passionate team members who are prepared to adjust, change, do whatever is necessary, you know, do different jobs, do somebody else's job, just chip in right now uh, to keep it all going. And, uh, you know, with an eye that, look, we are prepared to, you know, look different in the future if that's right for our success in the future. Um, we're prepared to move. And I feel we're moving to be more and more of a biotech life sciences organization, bumping right up against the top of the food chain, which is big pharma in healthcare. And uh, what a great place to be shoulder to shoulder with, right? And uh, again, having done due diligence, having viewed these contracts, um, uh, looking at the payouts, looking at the opportunity. And then I think about some of the, the capabilities that we already have in our possession, you know, the ability to manage patients, run the patient experience. We have technology and telemedicine and medical devices and a, a scientists and laboratory. These are kind of all the key ingredients to be a successful, you know, uh, you know, clinical trial organization. And I is think it, we have credibility. Is this the is this the transformational event, the transformational agreement that? that brings all of, you know, the lab, the MediShare products, the medical, brings it all together and, and, and makes it just one and, and creates one massive organization now, because they've all been working as independent pieces 
and on, on their own, which is great. But is this the one that kind of gels them all together and brings and, well, and creates well, well, the transformational is. company? Yeah, and and when when you know don't don't uh, dismiss you know the the uh, work we've been doing with Atlas Medical, the medical international medical device manufacturer, <clears throat> the services that we're talking about with Atlas Medical, where you're running clinical studies on medical devices to seek FDA 510K approvals is not inconsistent with running clinical trials on behalf of big pharma to bring, for them to bring new novel drugs to market. And so in both cases, we're leveraging our facility assets and our know-how and skill. And keep in mind, I mean, people may not know this, that um, the Medishare laboratory team um, have actually already done clinical studies on behalf of other pharmaceutical companies um, uh, as part okay. of COVID. We actually helped um, a, a pharmaceutical company out of Florida <clears throat> bring two of their uh, COVID tests to FDA approval, and those products were in market. So the team actually has actual real-world experience I mean, I've got the all the documentation in in our SharePoint folders and and in our in our storage. Like the, we've actually done it before. This is so it, it's when it may appear like a new venture per se, but actually the the running the processes of clinical study and and or clinical trial is something that is already in the DNA of this organization. So I'm just looking at that and saying you know, this is what we should be doing. You know, this is this is the type of organization that, you know, just might be it, George. It just might be the coming together of, you know, what we want for our vision, the vision kind of we already, you know, we've always had. And I think we're defining ourselves much more clearly um, and, you know, giving ourselves a, a really a really significant opportunity for scale and and for for really generating something of value and you know the fact if you can be part of bringing you know um the the elimination of diseases in the future and be part of that ecosystem um to me is just you know it gives me goosebumps thinking about you know the type of contributions our organization may be making to the future of of health and of mankind uh, because that's what's happening here. Well, if there's one thing about you, Steve, uh, when you know I've had questions over the last few months for all companies, not just yours, where my friends and people say, "Hey, George, how's Empower? You know, how how do you think Empower is going to do and all that?" And I'd say, "Look, one thing I can tell you about Steve is he doesn't know how to play small ball. You know, your DNA and your background, where you've come from, and Six Sigma uh, under Jack Welch at, G at GE." You don't know how to play small ball. You have you'll play small ball when you had to, when you had to, you know, take in power and do what you've had to. But yeah, this is not a surprise to me, even though it's awesome to see it and none of us saw it coming. This isn't a surprise to me either. And I think this, uh, and I hopefully I think it's, I speak on behalf of all shareholders. Uh uh we'll hope that this is you know, doc, the Dr. Maturla JV hopefully is the the supercharger, the catalyst now that brings all the pieces together and just you know, feeds them and and yeah. and allows them together to work to create this massive revenue stream. And can't wait to have you back, my friend. I know you and I can talk about this another hour, but I can't wait to have you back as this develops. But from the sounds of it, I have a note here. You're expected to get the revenues pretty quick. So hopefully it won't be long before you come back on. And maybe with Dr. Mature, I think we'd all like to meet him. 
Yeah, very uh, much so. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, definitely a very, yeah, very, very uh, articulate, uh, well-educated and uh, energetic, you know, individual. So, you know, I, I welcome the opportunity to, you know, to have some more time on camera with him. And, and you know, bottom line is that, you know, we're here working hard um, every day. And uh, again, we're just, we're dedicated to what we're doing and we want to see it through. And, you know, what we, we, you know, we just care so much about um, uh, what we're doing and, and where we're going, and we're prepared to adjust and pivot and and uh, be agents of change uh, to make sure that we get the formula right. So, and the other thing that's interesting too going forward is that, you know, we'll be able to have, you know, quite a lot of regular updates about progress because, you know, milestones become very identifiable in all of this. You know, again, even as something as simple as adding five patients you know, to a clinical trial, uh, again, is not insignificant, right? Yeah. You know, given, given the, the, the way that, you know, the patients are valued and what it means to these big CROs and ultimately what it means to big pharma who are backing all these contracts. Well, Steve, thanks for, thanks for joining us today and explaining all this because it is, there, there was a lot to unpack. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us aren't familiar with a lot of these terms. We know big pharma, we know clinical trials, but we don't know these nuances. And it's uh, and it's pretty exciting. I, look, I'm a shareholder. Everyone watching is a shareholder in some yeah. perspective. Well, just go do some research. Just go, go, go and go and do a Google search on you know CRO um, or contract research organizations, or just do a simple search on you know what is a clinical trial, and it will unpack so much content, so much information. There's so many YouTube videos that are out there. And I think education right now is very important for our followers because if if you understand it, then you can share it. You know, you can say, yeah, I think I'm getting this. And you can also go look at comp sets. Um, they're, they're out there. There's many good quality, massive public companies uh, both on NASDAQ and New York uh, Exchange, and then uh, internationally, you know, there's some some behemoths out there as well. And these are CROs. The, I'm not talking about the pharmaceutical companies. I'm talking about the CRO organizations. Uh, they themselves have billions and billions of market cap um, and are generating huge top line, um, generating really significant, um, you know, free cash flow or what we call EBITDA. And um, so if you're trying to be in a segment of healthcare that's demonstrating value, that's kind of been immune to some of the economic issues oh, yeah. over the last, you know, you know, 12 months, this is the sector. One modification that Steve, it's no longer just go do Google searches. Hey, go ask chat GPT. <laughs> go ask chat GPT. I actually did give that. You a much faster answer. I, I actually did it. I'll, I'll send you a screen capture uh, offline, but I actually did that exact thing uh, two nights ago. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us, buddy. This is great. Uh, and I can't wait to have you back on my friend. Hey, thanks for your time, George. Much appreciated. Tell everybody at home, you've been watching or if you've listened by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform to Steve McCauley, CEO at Empower Clinics. Trades in Canada, EPW. Trades in the U.S., EPWCF. For those who are new to the story because you saw this headline and you want to find out more about the company, start your due diligence on Agoracom on the company's profile page. And once you've got that, make sure you go over to the Empire Clinics website and do your deep dive due diligence. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time.
Hey guys, this podcast is over. But don't forget to help your company by liking it or even leaving a comment. And then, don't forget to help yourself by following us on Spotify, Google, Apple, or on your favorite podcast platform so you will never miss another one great Agora Gomez Small Cap Podcast.